You gonna smoke that? Or you wanna smoke on this? Hello, and welcome to Condensed Truth, the Essential X-Files podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm Laura. And this week we are talking Season 3, Episode 24, Talitakumi. Yay! Congrats to us. We made it. We did. This episode aired May 17th, 1996. Uh, This is a story by David Duchovny and Chris Carter, uh, written by Chris Carter, or teleplay by. And directed by R.W. Goodwin. So the the real, like, season finale crew. I think this is R.W. Goodwin's maybe second or... I think it's his second finale. I think he did um, Erlenmeyer Flask, too. But the plot of this episode is that Mulder and Scully start investigating after a man miraculously healed two gunshot victims at a fast food restaurant. We learn that Cigarette Smoking Man and Tina Mulder know each other, and after a confrontation, Tina has a stroke. Mulder and Scully try to find the the guy who healed the people at the fast food restaurant, Jeremiah Smith, before Cigarette Smoking Man, but he manages to get to him first and interrogates him in a prison cell. Scully learns more information about the peculiarity of Jeremiah Smith, and they finally meet him as he brings... Mulder some information, but before he can tell them anything, the alien bounty hunter shows up. Cut to black. Cliffhanger. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, the plot. Mm-hmm. And we open at a fast food restaurant that was an A&W. Oh, which, that makes sense. Yeah, I think they're popular in Canada. I don't know if I've ever actually eaten at one. It kind of had a Brahms vibe to it, but without like the it grocery does. section. Because, you know, Brahms have, like, the grocery section to them, which is always interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it definitely had that, like, 90s Brahms color palette. I Yeah, I can see I can see it. And a guy is loudly complaining about work. He's not doing so hot. And then he just gets a gun and he, he says, you know, no one's listening to me. Everybody calm down or everybody shut up. I mean, he doesn't really have any clear aims here. Um He's just in crisis. He's just, he's in, he's mad. He's got a gun because this is America. So, um, what else is going to happen, you know? <laughs> and there's a lot of like steady cam work, especially when the we're like, kind of looking at the gunman, um, which I think it works for this scene, but it did kind of remind me of that, you know, that period of the time in the aughts when like everything was shot with a steady cam. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it, they have their place, but like sometimes it's a little much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I think it was fine in the scene, but I definitely it it got overused later. Yeah. And and then a man gets up and calmly moves towards him and he's talking to him. You know, calming him down and um trying to talk him down. And he does manage to. The guy is putting his gun down. <laughs> Some jack off is like, well, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the restaurant. <laughs> and so he goes to leave and the guy shoots him and shoots another woman. And then the police outside, because they called the police, shoot him. And then the guy who was calming him down, which we later learned is Jeremiah Smith, 
heals him. And it's like the blood goes back into his body. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. It's an interesting healing thing. Because usually it's just like you heal, but the blood has already left your body. So. Right. Yeah. No, it's like just that reverse, reversing the, the, the shot of like the fake blood capsule bursting, you know? Just like, yes. no, it's just yes. going to absorb back in exactly the same way it burst out. Mm-hmm. And then we have the credits. No new tagline. I am waiting impatiently for a new tagline. But today's not that day. So we're at the restaurant. And the restaurant, we can see now that the restaurant's name is Brothers K, which is a reference to the fact that the interrogation scene in this episode is basically the Grand Inquisitor's scene in the Brothers Karamazov by <laughs> Dostoevsky. Those deep uh, Russian <laughs> literature cuts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, that, that just is very funny to me. I obviously, not a lit person, did not pick up on that at all. And I only found that out while reading about the episode. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll read The Grand Inquisitor then. Because it's only like 17 pages. Oh, really? And we'll get to that later. <laughs> but Muller Scully show up. How, how does he just know, like, this isn't the era of Google Alerts or, like, an RSS feed. He doesn't have, like, a way to just tack on, like, every time something weird happens, he gets a notification, you know what I mean? Maybe he has, like, someone in the FBI we haven't met yet who just, like, gives him a hint every time there's, like, a really weird case. Maybe. Maybe the lone gunmen yeah. do that, too. Maybe they got, like, several TVs up with, like, local news. They absolutely have more than one police scanner. So, there's that. <laughs> that's exactly it. The police scanner. That's my... That's I, I'm I'm adding details into this episode. Lone gunmen heard on the police scanner and told Mulder. <laughs> we're like, there were three gunshot victims, but then no one was taken to the hospital? <laughs> They show up and they're trying to get information, but everybody at the scene is going to be very, like, vague. They're like, we showed up, no gunshot victims, even though there were gunshots. And then the detective tells Scully, like, I can tell you what I see, what I saw, but nobody here can tell you what happened. <laughs> Why don't you talk to this man? So It very much felt like a quest, uh, like a video game quest. You know, go talk to this person for more information. Right. They've been added to your mini-map. <laughs> It's such a cheesy line, too. Like, we can all, like, tell you what happened, but we can't tell you, like, why or whatever. It's like, okay, we get it. It's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. And then she talks to the guy who got sh guy at the door who got shot. He worked for the X-Files. He was, uh, I think, a production assistant in L.A. Slash aspiring actor. And so they would sometimes give him roles. Oh, that's nice. Angelo. Vacco, I believe. And then Mulder talks to the shooter, and he he seems like he's had a religious con conversion. Because he kind of did. He was going to die, and then he didn't. And he says, God took pity on me. He saved me. He spared my life. Like, why didn't Scully get to talk to this dude, you know? They could have right. vibed. Yeah. I, I think it's also funny how Mulder just, like, casually opens the unlocked back door of this police cruiser with a suspect in it who just like shot people and held up a restaurant and he just like casually opens the door and like slides into the seat next to him like what why very is... Mulder <laughs> but also why isn't this car locked 
Yeah, well, I guess he's in cuffs, but still, yeah. But still. Maybe, like, it's like a child lock, where, like, you could open the outside door, but you can't open the inside. Probably. That would make sense. But then we find out the guy who healed all these people has vanished. And Mulder's like, what What do you mean he vanished? Like, what, they let him go? And she's like, no, they didn't let him go. He just disappeared. <laughs> and then we are in Quantacatog, Rhode Island. And it's Tina Mulder, my enemy. Yeah. And she's at a beach house. Her beach house, her family beach house. But it's old and it hasn't been used in a while because everything, all the furniture is covered up. Did she get the beach house in the divorce? I don't know. Maybe. Mulder does say later that she vowed to never be in it again. So Right. But could it be? Maybe she took it out of spite. Yeah. I was saying maybe it's like a, I'm going to take the beach house that you love so much and then I'm also never going to use it or go there ever again. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe she's really trying to cover up some bad memories because something happened at this beach house. Something unmentionable. <laughs> we don't know what it is. But. Lots of things. a lot of hatred. At- Lots of things happened at the beach house. <laughs> I just want to say real quick that I don't have any respect for Rhode Island because my my home city of Houston is larger than it. <laughs> so, no respect. <laughs> then Cigarette Smokey Man shows up. And we immediately recognize his voice, or I do. I don't know if you... I mean, he's yeah. a very distinct voice. But we the camera shot... I really like the directing of this episode. The camera shot of his his lit cigarette with Tina in the background being like the establishing shot of like, he's here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all knew who Beautiful. it was. Yeah. Who else would it be? He's like exactly. the cockroach of the show. He's just like there <laughs> all the time. Yes. Yes. But this is the first time we learn Cigarette Smoking Man and Tina Mulder know each other, which like isn't necessarily a surprise in the sense that. Of course, she knew her husband's, like, work partner, mm-hmm. but it is a little surprising. You know what I mean? Right. Considering the work they did, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, God, he's so slimy in this episode, but William so Davis gross. is doing a great job, but he is so slimy. It's, it's gross. <laughs> and his uh, his line about, I used to water ski with your husband. He was a good water skier, but I was better at it. I was better at a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. He's just gross. <laughs> disgusting. He's just like straight. You know what? I don't blame her for having a stroke after this interaction because like, <laughs> how can you not like you? He's just straight up being like, I was better at sex. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't need to know that. You know what I mean? Thank right. you, Chris Carter. Thank you so much. Like you could have actually been more subtle about the situation and we still <laughs> would have understood that they had an affair. Yeah. And also the water ski thing is a joke, kind of a joke, because William Davis is actually like a national champion water skier. Oh. Um, like in the, I think in the old age category or something, <laughs> like he held records in Canada. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of wild. And then Tina's line of like, I repressed it all when like he came to ask her something. He's like, yeah, I know you will never answer a single question. <laughs> Honestly, that part was so funny. That was probably the funniest part of the entire episode to me. Okay, I disagree, but it was very funny. Yeah. Um, I'll mention when we get to the funnier one, in my opinion. Yeah, I just I just really love this bitch just being like, I repressed it all. And it's like, no, you didn't. You just refuse. She is such a 50s housewife. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like she just refuses to take any responsibility for any of her actions. 
ever. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then and then like he's like asking her to remember something. And it's just like, if you need Tina Mulder to remember something, like just give up. She will never give you a straight answer. Like she doesn't have the answer. She doesn't know what she's doing at any time. Yeah, she definitely will not self-incriminate, that's for sure. <laughs> but we do see someone taking photos of them, which is hmm. Weird. They're not alone. No. Who who's who is observing them? And then we have, we're back at the restaurant and Mulder and Scully are talking to a cop as they're trying to find the guy. And he's like, it's so weird. I was like writing, I looked down to write something. I look up and he was gone. And Mulder does notice a a news van leaving. So he's like putting that in the memory. We'll come back to this. (laughs) (laughs) I also love the van because I think it was a, I think it's a GMC Safari. And my family had a Chevy Astro, I think. And it's the same van. And so it's just like, oh, look, it's my childhood car. Aww. <laughs> One of my childhood cars. But then Mulder does get a call from Skinner and tells Skinner tells him his mom is in the hospital because she had a stroke immediately after talking to Cigarette Smoking Man. That tracks. So he goes to Rhode Island and it's like a six hour drive from D.C. I looked it up. I'm like, that's a pretty substantial drive. Yeah. I assume they drove. I guess they could have flown. I think they drove because they get they get there like in the middle of the night, supposedly. They do. They do. They get there at like eleven fifty something. But Tina is like in and out of consciousness. And Mulder immediately goes to see his mom, of course, and Scully goes to talk to the nurse to figure out what happened. She's so sweet. Mm-hmm. She's like not in this episode at all. I know. But when she is, she's like being supportive to Mulder. Yeah. And I think David Duchovny does a really good job. In this episode, I think he hits the emotional beats really well. And I just really enjoyed his performance this episode. He does have a bad cry face, but, oh. you know, so do I. Yeah, his cry face is hard because it's like, I almost wish he didn't do it in this scene. It would have made it feel more genuine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, it wasn't bad, but it definitely took me out of it a little bit. His, his cry face yeah. is not good. It's kind of funny. Yeah, there's some actors I have where, like, when they cry, I just laugh. Yeah, and it's just like I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, <laughs> him and Alan Alda. <laughs> Whenever Hawkeye starts crying, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of me with David Duchovny. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can't all be Jillian Anderson in her absolute perfect cry oh, face. God, she looks so beautiful too. It's like, how do you look that? pretty while you're also just like so sad just and she can do like openly sobbing Mm -hmm. too it's just not like you know subtle tears like you know full-on crying she does really well too yeah but he's not crying this scene but um scully does try to comfort him and reassure him and Mulder just feels so small and i really like that choice of like when he's with his mom he's just he's so like gentle and small and like a very boyish way that mm-hmm. I think really works because I think Tina Mulder has the vibe of like mom who um you you kind of have to like be delicate with mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I think he's internalized that and I think he has that gentleness with her because he cares about her but also because like she demands that as like a person it's also like to me Tina Mulder is very immature of a parent herself and, like, mm-hmm. 
almost whenever Mulder has to interact with her, it's like he almost regresses in that relationship too. So it's like, it's like kind of like his more childlike nature around her is almost in response to the fact that she is more emotionally childlike too as a parent. She's not like Mm -hmm. Scully's mom where like Scully's mom is a great mom (laughs) and you can like really rely and trust on her. Can't do that with Tina. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Their dynamic for sure. Mm. And it's also so interesting because like she is Mulder's only family left Mm -hmm. and and that, like, yeah. I think that plays a huge role in their dynamic, too, obviously. Yeah. He is genuinely just, scared for his mom. Yeah. Like, he has, I don't, it doesn't seem like he has any extended family, and the rest of his family is dead, so, or missing. But she does wake up, and she asks for a paper immediately, because she needs to write something down. And she writes down Palm. <laughs> I just love the end of, like, two, two credits, Mulder just going, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. This the dialogue in this episode is I wouldn't say it's bad, but like it's it's very X Files. Like Yeah. I feel it's, like I have to be in the mood for it sometimes. So when it gets like too heady and weird and when I saw I don't know. when I saw the writing credit was David Duchovny and Chris Carter <laughs> together on this episode, I was like <laughs> All okay. right, <laughs> buckle in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is, I okay. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely same. I'm like okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get some literary shit in here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get some obscure stuff in here. We're gonna get, you know, there's not all like there's some good stuff, but like there's also just some just not great writing, and I think that that line is an example. Of it. <laughs> But then Tina's transferred to another hospital because this is like a small community hospital. She she goes to Providence. So it was probably what, like a 15 minute drive? <laughs> 20 tops. We're we're from Texas. We're just gonna make fun of Rhode Island being small the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Me driving my mom 45 minutes to the nearest hospital. Yeah, yep. Yeah. My um when I was I was born in a city that, like, the nearest city to me, which wasn't the city we lived in, because mm-hmm. my mom was like, I'm not giving birth at this hospital. <laughs> this rural hospital. <laughs> we are driving. Yeah. Yeah. Good on your mom, honestly. <laughs> For my, my very similar version of that is my parents lived in Texarkana before they lived where I was born, and... Texarkana's in, for our listeners, very East Texas and does not have a great reputation. Um, And my mom refused to get pregnant while they lived in Texarkana. (laughs) She was like, I'm not, I'm not giving birth to a child here. And yeah, like, thank you. I appreciate it, honestly. (laughs) I couldn't look someone straight in the face and like be told that they were born in Texarkana. (laughs) I'd be like, hmm, okay. (laughs) Okay. At that point, just be born in El Paso. Much better options. <laughs> but Mulder's mind, like when, when he gets stressed, when he gets, you know, worried about stuff, it just like his his mu- powerful brain connecting mind goes into hyperdrive. And so he's like straight face telling Scully that he thinks the shooting at the fast food restaurant is connected to his mother's stroke. <laughs> and she's just is very gently like, 
I don't know about that. <laughs> I love her for it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take you. I'm going to drive you to the nearest hotel. Gonna, you're going to go to sleep because you have been awake for like 18 hours at this point. And he's like, no, let's go back to DC. <laughs> and, she, and she just, I, I, I kind of get it. I feel like she, she doesn't feel like she can fight him. Also because she did the same shit when her father died. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have a leg to stand on here. She's also known Mulder long enough now that it's definitely like a pick your battles situation. <laughs> yes. Yes. So they drive back to DC, presumably Scully drives. <laughs> and yeah, it's a six hour drive and they get back at like 8 a.m. or so. Maybe earlier than that, but like, boy, yeah. I don't envy them. <laughs> no. I make like a six hour drive like round trip in one day and I'm just like I'm too old for this like I can't do this anymore yeah that's a long I drive. could do this when I was younger but I can't do this now yeah but they got the news footage and they see Jeremiah and <laughs> very conveniently for Jeremiah someone walks in front of the camera so Jeremiah one second this guy walks in front of it another dude wearing the same clothes, clothes. shapeshifter I mean, almost certainly. And they're like, well, maybe this is another detective. And so Scully gets the assignment to go ask. He's like, I have to go do something. And she's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, if I tell you, you won't let Let me me do it. (laughs) They're very married in this episode. It's (laughs) It's like her suggestion of like, maybe, you know, we should get a hotel and get some sleep. And then it's like, he kind of rebuffs that. She like knows like not to push it again because like really if he's not going to go for it on the first suggestion, he's not going to go for it. And then the whole like, I'm going to go, okay, you go do this. I'm going to go do something else. And I'm not going to tell you what that is because if I tell you, you won't let me do it. So, <laughs> bye. <laughs> yep. And she's just like, I can't fight him right now. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I've been awake for 24 hours too. Like, yeah. <laughs> she 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 definitely lets him make his own mistake sometimes. She's like, I, I, I tried to stop you. Yeah. You're not my responsibility anymore. And then quick scene at the social security admin office, which is Vancouver City Hall. <laughs> and there's a ton of people with like desks working at computers, like pretty standard, like office y. Except like they kind of look like they're social distanced. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I got that vibe too. They're like really spread out. <laughs> It's like yeah. weird for the time. Like, like, why are they not? Yeah, like why aren't they closer together? Or in like, like they're not in cu- cubicles. Yeah, exactly. Like they would. This is such a bad use of their space. It feels very observed too. Like they're just at like open standing desks, like six feet apart in this big <laughs> room, and it's like everyone can see what everyone else is doing all the time. It's weird. It literally looks like uh, that's exactly how we had our desk set up for test standardized testing here yeah. in the U.S. Yes, actually, that's exactly how they're set up. Yeah, and it was always in like the basement of some like for us at least it was always in like the basement of like the high school or like some other like weird city owned building, and it was just like oh really really yeah it was like really retro decorated because it's just like old. Yeah. We were just split in different classrooms. Yeah, we were in the, our like library, our high school, because our high school library was the basement, and then there was like a basement, but 
below the library again. And so it was like in that like double basement area. Wow. It was weird. Um basement, what a novel concept. <laughs> yeah. It's like ninety percent of Texas doesn't have basements for like various different reasons. <laughs> Mostly like the ground being unstable, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the water level the water level is like way low like higher, lower. It's not very deep. Right. Yeah. And also like um there's a whole giant coast and yeah, I know Oklahoma doesn't have basements because of the clay. Yeah. And I think that's also why Dallas sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the... And then Austin does it because of all the limestone immediately under the ground. The limestone is too... It's so funny because, like, Oklahoma, it's like the clay is too soft, so it's not stable to support a building. The limestone is too hard. It's too difficult to, like, dig down. And some men in suits walk in, and they seem to be looking for Jeremiah Smith. So Jeremiah Smith is like, this is my cue, and he goes to try to leave. But then he opens the door, and there's immediately some other dudes in suits. And they haul him away, and cigarette smoking man is there, and he's smiling. He's very satisfied with the job well done, quickly done. Super um, low-key. No one noticed at all. <laughs> <laughs> They're busy doing Social Security stuff, whatever that is. And then they they take Jeremiah to prison in like a Hannibal Lecter style wheel cart thing (laughs) they're treating him like he's Hannibal Lecter they're treating him like he's this like super high security (laughs) prisoner it's really funny (laughs) also Jeremiah is the name of one of the prophets in the bible who Mm -hmm. I think his prophecies got in got him into trouble and he was in prison too Mm -hmm. which is yeah this is essentially what Jeremiah Smith's doing too so Mulder, his big brain idea was to go to the beach house, which, like, of course he did, you know? Why wouldn't he? Right. And he goes out the back door just like Tina did. But we see someone else watching him from the back door. And then it's X. And X was the one taking pictures of cigarette smoking man in Tina, and he's the one that called 911 when she had her stroke, therefore saving her life. And Mulder's surprised that Tina and Cigarette Smoking Man know each other, which is, I mean, I guess he would look different in his old age, but like, how, I mean, Mulder must have been around him, you know what I mean? Right. I feel like it's really not that surprising that they knew each other. Yeah, but I do like that, like, Mulder's surprised because he obviously has put, like, zero thought into his childhood and about how, like, how many shady men he's hunting now, like, interacted with him as a child, most likely. You know what's funny is, like, Tina's line earlier about, like, repressing all of it. I think maybe Mulder actually did repress all of it because, like, he Mm -hmm. seems not to remember anything. Whereas Tina very obviously knows what is going on and just chooses to not remember. (laughs) Yeah, Mulder has an excuse of he was a child. Right. (laughs) And X suspects that Cigarette Swinky Man wanted something from her, something in the house. and. Mulder says he doesn't know what it is. And then we have Scully entering the Hoover building, and Jeremiah's there. She's very surprised. She's like, (laughs) can I talk to you? It's like, yeah, y'all were looking for me, and I don't really know why. I didn't do anything wrong. And so she takes him up, and they have a conversation with, like, Skinner and the detective and a few other people. And Jeremiah's basically like, I don't know what happened. It's all a blur. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Incredible. <laughs> he has, gives him like no information to go on. He's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just don't know. And he's also like very astutely pointed out, well, I haven't committed any crime, <laughs> so I can leave, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you can. But please let us know if you're going to bolt again. <laughs> yeah, Skinner's line about let us know if you're going to leave. <laughs> but of course, the timing's very curious because we saw Cigarette Smoking Man take in a Jeremiah Smith. Yeah. So who is this guy? But then we kind of quickly got our answer in that it's the alien bounty hunter pretending to be Jeremiah Smith. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're back at the beach house and Mulder proceeds to start looking for whatever it is his mom's trying to tell him about. And I'm kind of bummed that he didn't find anything weird. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. was a bottle of alcohol hidden, but I wanted something spicier. Yeah, like there's some some shit went down in that house. Like, come on. Exactly. Just hidden alcohol. That's like every American household. Yeah, where's the where's the dirt weed? Where is yeah. uh the sex toys? Where are where's the Molly? Where's yeah. the cocaine? Where, where's all this stuff? <laughs> we know it's in there. The Mulders are so such a boring family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But then he does he does put the pieces together of maybe palm is an anagram because she did have a stroke. And he's like, lamp? And so he's like, okay, let's start smashing lamps. So he starts smashing lamps. Just every lamp. And he finds lamp. the aliens. Every, yeah, he's like, let's go. <laughs> he's like, what I've if had it a- wasn't lamp and he just smashed to all <laughs> he's had a He's had a bad 48 hours. He's like, it's it might be lamp. All right, let's go. Let's smash every lamp. <laughs> but he does have good luck because he finds the alien stiletto. I can't do the noise. Yeah, no. like... exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should I be editing out all of our random noise effects of trying to recreate the like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now I'm keeping those in. <laughs> and then we have cigarette smoking man, like the big kind of temple piece of the episode. I would say is Cigarette Smoking Man interviewing Jeremiah in a very dark cell. Mm -hmm. It's a very heady and philosophical discussion. (laughs) I like this scene, and I hate this scene at the same time. Yeah, so I watched this. I've seen this scene, like, numerous times, right? And I'm always like, okay, like, this feels like a very simplistic view. and But it, it makes sense for Cigarette Smoking Man, but it's sort of like he half thought something out. Yeah, But then when I was researching this episode, I found out about the Grand Inquisitor scene from the Brothers Karamazov. I was like, okay, I'll I'll read that and see what they're going for, right? Right. And when I read that, like, of course, it's an essay, so it has more space. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I really got the gist of the argument a lot better. Yeah. um, Which doesn't bode well for the episode. No. That, like, I should just, you should just go read the Grand Inquisitor scene from Brothers Karamazov. To get his whole deal. <laughs> right. So I think the scene is is good because the acting in it is good. And I like that, mm. like, some of the things I think we're used to good effect, like the deep throat callback and mm-hmm. all that stuff, I think were great. But having not read the Brothers Karamov Great Inquisitor scene, I was like, that literally told us nothing. Exactly. What was that there for? 
Exactly. We we learned nothing. They told us nothing. <laughs> it was just there to be there. Yeah, it's like trying to it's trying to tell us that like cigarette smoking man believes that he's doing what's right because he believes that in order for us to have freedom, we need to be restricted. Which like mm, that's not like a, a great argument. No. So, but like in the Grand Inquisitor scene, like the premise of the Brothers Karamazov is like, well, actually, I don't know anything about the book other than this scene. I right. did not have time to research the rest of it. But what I gathered is it's uh, it's the brothers uh, Ivan and um, Alosha, I think is how you pronounce it. And one of them is like a monk. And so he like wrote this this like piece to kind of uh, go with that that kind of like literature where you know God comes down to earth mm-hmm. to have a conversation with someone in like a very philosophical way. Yeah. And so Ivan is like or one of them is telling the other about this thing he kind of wrote about this Grand Inquisitor and this idea that like God came down during the Spanish Inquisition and he's walking around and there's like a a noble, a noble's daughter, like only daughter. She's a seven-year-old and she's dead. And they're like carrying her coffin through. And they know this guy's God. For some reason, I don't remember why. I think he did some minor miracles before that. But they're like, please heal her, heal her. And so he says, Tali Takumi, which means arise maiden in Aramaic, mm. which is where the title comes from. Okay. And so he raises this girl from the dead. And then the um, I think he's a cardinal of some sort in the Catholic Church, the Grand Inquisitor. He's like 90 years old. And he like he immediately arrests him and and like his whole point is like these people praised him as God and then immediately let this guy arrest him. Uh. And it is it's I mean, I thought it was really good, but uh, but like basically the premise of it is like or the Grand Inquisitor's argument is that Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted and survived because he's a very strong person. But most people aren't strong. And so most people will submit to power to get comforts. And their idea of, like, they think that's freedom because it's given to them. And the alternate is, like, kind of terrifying. And so that argument is very interesting to me. But, like, I don't think the scene did that at all. No, I yeah, no, I'm like not getting that from the scene at all, honestly. This honestly, like this whole like Grand Inquisitor scene feels like one of those like pieces of literature that like really snobby English majors read and then whenever they talk about it and you're like, "Oh, I don't know what that is." They're like, "Oh, so you yes. don't know." <laughs> yeah. That's the vibes I get from it and like this scene, I think, gives off those vibes, but yeah, it does. <laughs> otherwise, and I think yeah, it's yeah, well yeah. acted <laughs> by the actors in it, but the dialogue <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah, there was also a line from uh, the the piece I read that that really resonated with me. And he said, "He said you're so spoiled by modern realism and can't stand anything fantastic." And it's like, yeah, this is how this scene is hitting for me. Yep. Yeah. Like. I think, like, this this scene doesn't... I mean, I, not that I don't think it works, but, it's like, this isn't the show The X-Files is right. sometimes. I mean, I guess it sort of is that sometimes, but it never excels when it's trying to be that. 
this is this is a scene where it, it was like when it's like okay the writing credits are david duchovny and chris carter and i'm like oh okay so that's why this entire scene was written because like it makes sense to them and like maybe only them yeah well now it makes sense it makes perfect sense to me now i'm just gonna <laughs> rewatch it and i was like no this just doesn't hit <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like just just read the 20 pages of the brothers karamazov it does a a, a better job, even though sometimes I'm like, I feel like you're just repeating what you already said. Like, yeah. let's move on. Make your next point, please, Dostoevsky. <laughs> but the gist of this argument is that Jeremiah is an alien who no longer believes in the greater purpose. And Cigarette Smoking Man is like, no, you're wrong. The greater <laughs> purpose need to is do this. important or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he says, you know. We give them happiness. And they give us authority. The authority to take away their freedom under the guise of democracy. Go off, King. Yeah. So he's not, that's not unbased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I sort of understand Cigarette Smoking Man's point of view as much as, as flawed to me. But it's, yeah, the idea that, like, you know, if if everybody knew that they were aliens and they were going to be colonized, like, there would be <laughs> chaos, almost certainly, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> and so his his idea is like, well, if I don't tell them that, they get to be happy up until they become, you know, colonized. Right. It's like, uh, okay, but you're not the one going to be colonized. So. <laughs> yeah. Of course, this is a good deal for you as like the colonizer, but it's not for like the rest of us. Right. And also, yeah, that there is an alien colonization at some point. That's our new big detail of this episode. But there was this, uh, a quote from. The Grand Inquisitor scene that I was like, this is Cigarette Smoking Man, when Ivan says, and so convinced of that, he sees that one must follow the directives of the intelligent spirit, the dread spirit of death and destruction, and to that end, accept lies and deceit, and lead people, consciously now, to death and destruction, deceiving them, moreover, all along the way, so that they somehow do not notice where they are being led, so that at least on the way these pitiful blind men consider themselves happy. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's, <laughs> like, man. that's Cigarette Smoking Man, and that's also just kind of like capitalism. Right. There's that Rosa Luxemburg, I think it's Rosa Luxemburg's quote, um, uh, still people don't hear their chains. Yeah. You know? This idea, like, if you're not, if you don't think you're in chain, then you're probably just content to sit there and not realize it, right? Right. Cigarette Smoking Man's very ominous. The date is set. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> and so he leaves once uh, Jeremiah turns into Deep Throat and he says, how many people must you kill to get what you need Got or him. want? And he's like, I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> he's like, mm, I'm not ready to face that. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then Mulder barges into Skinner's office and demands finding Secret Smoking Man, which by my count is like the third time he's done this. Yeah. It's funny. Honestly. <laughs> he did it for what, uh, when Scully was abducted. And then I think he did it for Anastasi or something. He did another point. I'm kind of blanking exactly when. And then he done it again. And he will do it again. <laughs> Mulder, it's not an effective method. I think we've learned that now. 
just like give him to me and Sanders like you are not following the plot <laughs> I've taken your side way too many times to be let into this Skinner's also like I don't have him like that's above me Mulder like yeah when are you going to learn that they find out from Skinner and Scully that Jeremiah came in and so Mulder's like uh, let's go talk to him again <laughs> And so they go to get him at the social security office, but it's not him and he gets away because he can change his face, Mm -hmm. which like, I feel like they should be aware of, you know what I mean? Right. Like we've already seen it happen before. So exactly. Like they're like, where did he go? Let me grab this first guy. Look at him. Not him. Okay, go. You had him right in your hand, Mulder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then Cigarette Smoking Man returns to see Jeremiah in prison again. And I do really like, like, as much as bombacity as Cigarette Swinky Man is bringing to this conversation, very clear he's very afraid of him. Obviously, because they haven't been a Hannibal Lecter-style wheeled harness, but also, like, just his acting is very much, like, he keeps trying to act like he knows what he's doing and then (laughs) seems terrified of this man. Yeah. But... But Cigarette Smoking Man has convinced himself that his dark worldview is the truth and is the reasonable thing to do in this situation. And then Jeremiah Smith transforms into Bill Mulder, another person mm-hmm. that Cigarette Smoking Man has offed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, tries to, you know, well, kind of confronts him too. Jeremiah Smith is almost like taunting cigarette smoking man at this point whenever he turns into yeah. Bill Mulder. It's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I think Bill Mulder has the lines about colonization. Mm-hmm. And, or like, if you if they don't go along with you, you'll just kill them. And it's like, yeah. that's what you did to Bill. <laughs> yep. And Jeremiah says that cigarette smoking man has lung cancer. And it's like, uh, yeah, that tracks. Probably, <laughs> The man smokes like a chimney. He's just constantly chain smoking. Yeah. But then outside the prison is the alien bounty hunter. Bum, bum, bum. And he goes to kill Jeremiah, but Jeremiah's gone. Um, I wonder if Cigarette Smoking Man let him out, because that's how the Grand Inquisitor scene went. They don't, like, very explicitly say it, but yeah. in the Grand Inquisitor scene, like, he traps God in prison and, like, rants and raves at him, and then it's just like, okay, you can leave. <laughs> All right, God, you can go now. I mean, I think I think he does let him out. I mean, because how else does it does it happen? You know. Yeah, yeah. And then we're back at the hospital with Tina, and she isn't doing very well. And Boulder yeah. is doing his ugly cry, <laughs> and he goes to he he leaves the room to have a moment of peace. And who is there taunting him, other than? The cigarette smoking man himself. <laughs> and this is... Well, first of all, why is he smoking in a hospital? I don't yeah. think he should do that. Yeah. Like, I don't even think that was allowed in 96. I don't know about that. <laughs> when did we stop banning smoking? There's when, oxygen when tanks. We st- like, we should not smoke exactly. in hospitals. Yeah. Exactly. And the minute Mulder sees him... And Anna Fury grabs him, throws him up against the wall, and this is my favorite line of the episode, because it's so funny, is with <laughs> Mulder. 
<laughs> when he grabs him and says, you gonna smoke that or do you want to smoke on this? <laughs> and then points his gun in his face. <laughs> I, will, I'll I had give to that pause. To I was laughing so sorry. I'll give that so to you because I laughed at that really hard. It was one of those things where I was like, <laughs> I don't think this is supposed to be comedic. But it's so funny. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And they're not far from the nurse's station either. <laughs> And that one nurse like sees them down the hall and she's like She like side eyes them so bad. She's like, not my issue. (laughs) (laughs) But like Yeah, I don't think anyone has earnestly said you want to smoke on this and pointed a gun at somebody (laughs) since like 1955. (laughs) This is because like the X-Files writers have not watched any new media. (laughs) It's just yeah, again, one of those moments where it's like, yep, this is a Duchovny Carter episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who's responsible for that line? <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be Chris. It's gotta be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Cigarette Smoking Man tells Mulder, I've known your mother since before you were born, Fox. And you know this sent the fans into a tizzy on whether Cigarette Smoking Man is Mulder's father. And of course, yeah. you know Chris Carter absolutely basked in it. Oh, yeah. And loved to just Ugh. be vague about it. And What's grosser, Cigarette Smoking Man re- like referencing his affair with Tina Mulder or the fact that Chris Carter got so much satisfaction from writing it? <laughs> it's got to be the second one, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was so proud of himself. He really was. He thought he had something there. <laughs> and then, of course, what is a mythology if not Cigarette Smoking Man telling Mulder that he has information about his sister? Right. Mulder, please stop being so easily manipulable. He's Stop really, listening to this man. He's really dumb without Scully, honestly. If Scully was there, she would have been like, Mulder, why, why would you trust Why would him? you believe him? Right. This man just had a philosophical argument with an alien about how, like, it's fine to like make people's lives miserable as long as you convince them that they're happy. <laughs> Capitalism. So meanwhile, while Mulder is just melting down in the hospital, uh, Scully is doing the work. Mm-hmm. And she realizes Jeremiah Smith has a lot of siblings that look exactly like him working for various social security offices yeah. <laughs> across the U.S. <laughs> It's funny to me that he's basically committing, like, identity fraud, but working for the Social Security (laughs) Administration. Yeah, easier to commit fraud. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And then Mulder is in a parking garage, because of course he is. You know what I mean? Like, this man... It's not a mythology episode until he's lurking in a parking garage where he then gets his ass kicked, which he does here because right. X is fed mm-hmm. up. He's like, okay, give me whatever you have. And Mulder's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He's like, excuse me. I to- I saved your mother. I've given you so much information. The least you could do is give me that damn weapon. And Mulder's like, no. And I think for once, Mulder kind of holds his own in a fight, honestly. It's kind of a stalemate. Right. X is definitely over it, though. He's like, I did not sign up to babysit you. (laughs) Yeah. And so they start fighting. And X points a gun at him. (laughs) And Mulder's like, 
if you kill me, you'll never find it. And he's like, I ought to kill you anyway. <laughs> right. Honestly, based. Yeah, I understand that. Pull the trigger, X. <laughs> it is. It's kind of funny to me that X tells Mulder that he's a dead man because of all that time we spent it during Jose Chung's talking about how like that repeated phrase is just kind of comical. <laughs> and then it's just like being used genuinely in the myth arc <laughs> because of course it is. <laughs> and Scully returns home and she goes to call presumably Mulder but someone's knocking at her door and it's this guy that says he's Jeremiah Smith but of course is it actually him? Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, takes the precautions and has a gun on him and comes, has him come inside. And then Mulder calls and they agree to meet at some, like, abandoned factory of some sort. Yeah, it's like a mill or something. Yeah, I thought it was like a sawmill or paper mill or something. Or a sawmill and paper mill the same thing. I don't know. I just know that paper mills smell really bad. Yeah, I heard that recently. I don't... I don't know if I've ever been past one, but I've driven past makes one sense. before and it's just like really smelly. Yeah, I think it's like all the glue and, and you know, all the binding agents and stuff that smell really bad. I also didn't realize how much water it took to make paper. A lot. And so they meet and this guy's like, Mulder, I have very important information to tell you about what's happening. I need to give you this information. My life's in danger. And Mulder's like, okay, first, but can we take you to my mom's to heal her? <laughs> Can we do that? Which, like, is very uh, sweet, but, like, Mulder, where do you think... Cigarette Swinging Man is outside your mother's hospital room. Right. <laughs> like, it's, how dense can you be? It's it's sweet, but it's also, like, you, you idiot. Like, that's... <laughs> do you really think that's gonna happen? That's gonna work? Head empty, no thoughts. But before they can even get any information from Jeremiah Smith, the alien bounty hunter pulls up and he's got the alien stiletto ready and it's a cliffhanger and like for once it's not like Mulder and Scully in danger at this cliffhanger (laughs) (laughs) it's just this guy we just met (laughs) yeah but that's the episode yeah and so next we have our segments and as always we start with Agent Mulder shut up Mulder damn it Mulder Mulder how many was Mulder this episode (laughs) And, as always, I start for, go first. And, it's a mythology, so he's annoying, and I give him a six. Mulder, your run of being sweet and innocent is over. Over. <laughs> Laura. I gave him a nine. <laughs> he's so annoying Warranted. in this episode. Yeah, it's just, like, it's, I, I gave him a nine because, like, the ridiculous points in this episode were actually really genuinely funny. Like whenever he pointed the gun at at um at cigarette smoking man was like, You wanna smoke this? Like that was where would that come from? That was hilarious. So because it was so funny, it He's a like, got, yeah, it got knocked down a point. <laughs> but like, yeah, he was classically extremely annoying Mulder Myth Arc episode for sure. <laughs> God, I have to make that clip the opening for the episode. It's just <laughs> so <laughs> funny. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be so confusing when they hear it, though, because you can't see the gun, and they're going to be like, what was that clip? And then they'll get, you know, 40 minutes into the episode. <laughs> but yeah, not his finest work, <laughs> not his finest hour. And then we have... So uh, this must be the enigmatic Agent Scully. Scully's sassiest yeah. moment. 
You go first. Um, yeah, so Scully wasn't in this episode a lot, so I'm actually going to give her sassiest moment to Mulder <laughs> whenever he just, like, rips the cigarette out of Cigarette Smoking Man's mouth. That was so iconic. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That was so funny. <laughs> that, was, that was good. That was, that was the best. Yeah, so that's my Yeah, mind. this episode was, like, so serious. It very much... Yeah. You, I f- it was very hard to find a sassy moment that wasn't like, you know, someone telling Mulder about his mother dying or, you know. Right. Something like that. So, and also Scully wasn't in enough, but I did go with a Scully one. <laughs> and it's when he's trying to connect the fast food shooting with his mom and she just says, I'm sure it can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about like... <laughs> how it can be explained right. and it's like it's not exactly like as sassy as she usually gets because she is you know talking to her right. partner whose mother is in the hospital mm-hmm. but it is enough sass on it that it's like she's withholding her like she's mm-hmm. she's trying to rein it, rein it in a little her face in that scene is amazing it's so funny um yeah, yeah i think that's that's a great that's a great choice i mean that's kind of like the only like actual scully choice i just I just could not get past Mulder ripping the cigarette out of his mouth. It's incredible. It was so funny. It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and Cigarette Swiggy was just sort of like gleeful, like, ha ha ha, I really got his right. goat this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, like okay, yeah. you did, but that man's mom is dying, so I don't think you should gloat too bad. You know what I mean? Right. But he's an asshole, so. <laughs> and then next welcome you've got mail our 90s moment and i had to give it to the fast food restaurant me too it was so good the it's, neon oh, the color palette just very 90s the also, workers so many people at a so many people at a fast food restaurant you know right yeah you don't really see them that packed anymore yeah especially not now for sure oh yeah definitely not now yeah but yeah, no, I agree. Um, the the fast food restaurant in the beginning is just a plus ninety set. Like mm-hmm. it, it dates it dates the episode well. Yeah, there wasn't anything really. Um, I guess my honorable mention is the fact that the beach house has like so much old stuff to like the sixties and seventies that like it feels even ancienter now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it would only yeah. feel like mildly weird, right? in the 90s and that's the episode and our little wrap up uh i didn't like this episode that much it's not as strongest i don't know like it's definitely subdued for mythology which i don't hate because like sometimes they they go a little too they're kind of you know jumping all around the place so i kind of like that it's not necessarily that right but also i don't think that's the problem with the episode i don't think the problem is that they're not jumping around enough i think it's that i don't know where they're trying to go with this (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I didn't really like this episode. And I think I have discovered this weird trend where I really like the next to last episode. <laughs> I really like Wet Wired. Um, yeah. Didn't, did not care for this episode. It's also like, to me, it because like, it did the classic X-Files thing where it's like, we don't get any answers to our questions, right? But it felt like this one, we especially didn't get any answers to anything and the colonization plot honestly you can barely pick 
that out that that's where they're going with it like the interrogation yeah. scenes I think are just like so out there it's it's really hard to tell that that's actually what's going on yeah, yeah. I think I think they could have done a lot better job writing that scene to yeah. get the gist of like what makes the Grand Inquisitor scene so interesting mm-hmm. um and I think that kind of misses the mark, but not so bad that it's like incoherent. Because I think, right? I think you kind of expect the mythology to be at least a little bit incoherent. It's so, more frustrating, I think, than anything else. Yeah, because it's like, what are you even trying to say? Yeah, because you're trying yeah. to say something, but I can't even really suss out what that is for the most part. Um, but. There's some really funny moments in this episode, though. <laughs> exactly. And I definitely do like that they're trying to go somewhere new with the mythology. Um, yeah. They're at least, like, it seems to be, like, coalescing into something more, it has more shape to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's less about, like, what happened on Earth and more about, like, there are some aliens. And, I don't know, some of it's hard to, like, the fact that I already know what happens, like. Right. Yeah, but uh, like we know that Jeremiah Smith's an alien, or we can at least guess, right? Right. Yeah, that's pretty clear. Uh, and then we have the alien bounty hunter back, yeah. and I always like him being back. And then some sort of vague colonization. That right. Yeah, honestly, if you didn't realize colonization was coming up, you would probably miss it. Honestly, because yeah. it's just like two lines. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't think it works. This it, is like the signal to me when I'm rewatching the show that I'm like, okay, this is where the mythology is really gonna... I'm gonna have to labor through it. <laughs> it's also, it's just like, it's such an, a like deflating season finale, I think. Like, I think season three is so strong, but then to have this be your finale, it's kind of just like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. And there's really strong mythology earlier on in season three, and it's like, we don't exactly. even build off of that necessarily yeah this is a tough way to end season three yeah but i definitely i commend them for not putting Mulder and scully in immediate danger for once (laughs) right i mean they're not not in danger but they're definitely not the focus of the danger yeah and jeremiah smith is a very interesting character right yeah i am and i think his actor's really good he got cast in this i think his name is roy thinnis i hope is how you pronounce it um, he got cast in this because he was um, on an airplane with David Duchovny. <laughs> David Duchovny told Chris like, Carter, "I like your hey, vibe. He'd be good for this." Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was like a. He was in like a sci-fi show in the '60s. I don't remember. I think it's called The Invaders. Oh, um, interesting. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's. Uh, yeah, that's all my thoughts on the episode. Yeah. Also, so this episode comes out. I think a day before, hopefully, it should come out a day before our one-year anniversary Yay. of starting the podcast, which is January 28th. Hell yeah. And so I just wanted to take a minute and thank everybody for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to thank all of our guests for coming on. Absolutely. All our past and future guests. And I'd like to thank Laura for indulging me in this project that I decided to do. <laughs> I'd like to thank Shelby for doing literally 98% of the work and dealing with my me being late setting up like every episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's yeah it's it's been it's been really fun it also means that i have x-files on the brain like 24 7 which isn't emotionally healthy but i'm gonna power <laughs> through it for our audience <laughs> it just means that it's all sometimes, you. sometimes i just start thinking about them and i start spiraling <laughs> And I go through <laughs> my Tumblr notes from when the revival was on. <laughs> Aww. And, and you send me all of the best of MSR tweets <laughs> on Twitter. Yes, yes. So, but yeah, earnestly, thank y'all for listening. This has been really fun. And we mm-hmm. hope to have y'all continue to listen because we are not done. We are not satisfied until <laughs> we finish this series. And... We are on to season four, but we have a bonus episode next time. So I thought it'd be fun to, we're probably not going to do like a deep dive like we normally do. We might just kind of talk about it and talk about season three generally. But I wanted to talk about, for our bonus episode, season three, episode 18, Tesos Dos Pisos. Um, Maybe not the worst X-Files episode in my opinion, but the crew hated working on it and it's not good. So I think we kind of fun to talk yeah. about a bad one. Yeah, let's have some fun. A bad one that's yeah. not a that's not this one. Yeah, like an earnestly bad one. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll 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 do a wrap up of season three. Um, we don't have any questions, but if anybody sends in a question in the between when this episode airs and when we record, which this episode comes out before we record, I believe. So if anybody has any questions last minute and would like to ask them feel free if not i will spend the entire episode talking about uh yellow jackets for no reason other than the fact <laughs> that they're both vancouver <laughs> and it's your podcast and you can do whatever you want on your bonus episode i'm not going to talk about yellow jackets because i don't want to spoil it but everybody should watch it it's very good it's very spooky it's a great like if like i there's you know some correlation if you like the x-files i think you like yellow jackets spooky mystery show shot in vancouver i mean where can you go wrong right and the hotel from wet wired is in it oh fun (laughs) did not know that hotel still existed apparently so follow us on twitter at condensed truth email us at condensed truth pod at gmail.com see y'all next time with a bad episode that isn't this one (laughs) (laughs) and yes on to season four on to bigger and better things yes very (laughs) excited everybody have a nice weekend cha 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 bye bye